0: Recorded at WeWork in Midtown Toronto, this is E2 Entrepreneurs Exposed, hosted by Adam Leventer. E2 is the podcast where great entrepreneurs tell their story. This is E2 Entrepreneurs Exposed, the podcast where we speak to all kinds of entrepreneurs and creators doing amazing things in business and beyond. This episode is brought to listeners in part by the Entrepreneurs Organization, the world's leading entrepreneurs group. EO is a global peer-to-peer network of more than 13,000 influential business owners in 58 countries around the world. EO is the catalyst that enables entrepreneurs to learn and grow from each other. And now the EO Toronto chapter is accepting a limited amount of qualified members. For more info on joining, visit eotoronto.ca and click apply. Today is a big episode. It's number 50, and it's my great conversation with Melanie Travis, founder of New York-based Andy Swim, one of the fastest growing direct-to-consumer brands on the web. Melanie and I get into all kinds of interesting topics in this one, including how Andy got started and Melanie's shift into entrepreneurship from her baseline background in film and comparative literature. The pain points surrounding the legacy women's swimwear shopping experience, the importance of a good manufacturing partner that can scale with your business and actor Demi Moore's connection to Andy, which we get into right off the bat in this one. So, without further delay, here is my fantastic conversation with Andy Swim's Melanie Travis. Uh, I didn't know how you and Jesse were connected, but I was doing some research and realized that I think he's an investor in Andy. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. um, I mean, we, we go way back um, and we became friends before he invested in the company, but he is now an investor in Andy and we're also starting um, a new company together. I mean, we work together very closely on uh, a number of projects and he's been really instrumental in the growth of Andy. So,
0: well, let me continue on this whole investor thing for a minute and then we'll jump into the business. So um, we spoke a little bit about Jesse and your connection with him and for those that don't know Jesse, he's the, the co founder of Hubble Contacts, an amazing company. The more interesting one I want to ask you about is Demi Moore. So, yeah. how did Demi Moore become an investor in Andy Swim?
1: Yeah, um, it's a great question. So, I actually cold emailed her. Um and well, I guess let me let me back up a little bit. Um before I started Andy, I worked at a company called Bark, which is best known for Bark Box, the monthly mm-hmm. box of toys and treats. It's a pretty um big, big company uh, at this at this juncture. And I was one of the, you know, very early employees there. And so as early employees do, I wore a lot of different hats. And um at one point we were doing a project with like celebrity adoptions and Demi Moore is um, you know, famously a big a rescue dog person. Um, she has herself, I think, like 10 dogs. And so I had worked on a project with Demi. She actually It's Demi Moore, <laughs> as I learned. I <laughs> always wanted um, to I, know that. <laughs> yeah, Demi. Uh, so I had worked on a project with her at Bark um, in the early days, and we had rescued a dog together and, and just been, you know, become sort of friendly following that project and communicated a little bit. She was a big fan of what we were building and um, so, so we had had a few exchanges and chatted, you know, years prior. Um, when I left Bark to start Andy, I was just kind of going through my rolodex of people that could join a quote unquote friends and family round. Now, obviously, a friends and family round is almost never made up of actual friends and family. It's just what, it, what the round is called for some reason. Mm. And, um, and she was in my and so and, and I also knew that Demi um, is very interested in um, fashion brands and particularly brands started by women And so I, but I didn't know if she ever invested. I mean, I didn't know anything. And I just shot her an email, and this was years after the last time we had spoken. And I said, "Hey, you may not remember me, but we had, you know, rescued a bunch of dogs together uh, a a few years ago. I've left Bark, um, and I'm starting a direct-to-consumer swimwear line for women. And you know, would love to pick your brain or, you know, always ask for advice, not money, um, as they say. And so that's what I did. And um, to my huge surprise. She wrote back. Um, I, I I can't tell you how shocked I was when the email came in. I turned to my wife and was like, oh, "Did you more just emailed me back about this? I mean, it was wild." And her email said, "I'd love to learn more. Are you in LA? Come by." And so um, I mean, then the story kind of go- goes from there. But I ended up going to her house. At this point, I've been to her house many times. Um, wow. she was deeply involved in the prototyping phase, trying on the different, you know, samples as we were receiving them from the factory. And she became very involved in the the early days. And then she ended up, uh, so she's not only an advisor, she also, as you noted, invested um, cash into the business. Um, So, yeah, that was an incredible thing that happened.
0: That is so interesting. So what is her current involvement in the business today? Is it just as an advisor?
1: Um, Yeah. So now she, yeah, exactly. So she's both an advisor and an investor. um, And so... Um, the, you know, I, when I first started Andy, I was actually living out in LA. So it was quite easy to pop over to her house. Um, and now I live in New York. Um, and so I do go back to LA from time to time. Um, but it's, it's, I wouldn't say her involvement is as robust as it was in the early days and we'll email every now and then, or she'll text every now and then, but it's, uh, it, it's the, sort of frequency of our of our communication has gotten a little bit um, less as the business has grown and and that we've sort of set roots in new york
0: got it so going back to bark and company for a moment yeah, uh, yeah. you you were also at kickstarter foursquare yeah. then yes. Barkbox. box um, yeah. very interesting even more interesting is your background studying comparative literature and film directing so kind of a <laughs> rather atypical for someone now at the helm of one of the fastest growing swimsuit lines on the web. So amazing. (laughs) How did you you move into this?
1: The reason that I studied comparative literature um, at Haverford is because I wanted, I was very interested in film and filmmaking, Um, but obviously filmmaking is not a degree that they offer at Haverford, which is a liberal arts school. Um, and film theory at the time was also not a major they offered and comparative literature was the only major that let you at least study film and write. Every, every person has to write a thesis, um, an undergraduate thesis at Haverford. And comparative literature was the only one that would let me watch movies and write my thesis about the movies. English had to be based in text. And so so that's why I did Comp And then when I graduated, um, I moved to Europe for a year and I made a bunch of short films. I, I was based in Vienna so I could travel east or west and uh, really cover the continent. Um, made a bunch of short films, applied to film school, and I actually went to CalArts for an MFA in film directing. Um, and, and I think that, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think that there's so much in common between directing a movie and building a startup. Mm. I mean, it's just so many of the skills are the same. And I think that, um, I mean, I would humbly say that I think I'm a, I'm a very good operator and I'm a good manager and I'm a good you know CEO of an early stage brand. And I think that I really had, you know, a, a great training um, a, a in grad school for film directing. To me, it kind of feels like it kind of fed, you know fed right into it in a really productive way.
0: What are those skill yeah. sets, character traits that are common to both?
1: From a high level, I think um, you know you have to have a vision for something, um, and you have to be able to articulate that vision, and you need to be able to get people on board with the vision and and get from a sort of random starting place to to that to the like end end goal of of you know bringing that vision to life um and i think whether that's a movie or a business um from a high level that that those are like concepting getting people behind the idea and bringing it to life are uh, very similar from a practical standpoint um a movie like a making a movie like a business like like building a business they're not solo activities you can't just sit in a room sit um, in a room with hammering <laughs> you can't just sit in a room and bring this thing to life you you need to get people um, on board with it and and um, when so, so especially if you're bootstrapping a business in the beginning which I did you kind of do every single role so I was. You know, I was CEO, I was customer support, I was fulfillment, I was web design, I was copywriter, you know, I was everything. And and then by doing every role, uh, now now I have people for all of those roles and more. Um I was able to understand what goes into it, what's needed, what you know, what's necessary, and and hire the right people. Um and at CalArts I had the exact same training, right? They make you if you want to be a director, they make you take every role, gaffer, you know, lighting, sound, boom, um, uh, producer. Uh, you do the you do the full suite of possible roles on a film, and that way, when you're directing, you know what goes into it. You can be a good leader. You can be you can hire the right you know folks for for what you're building, and 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 be you know a good leader of those people. Um, and so, I think uh, I've really kind of been doing the same steps over and over and over again. Back when I was making movies, and now when I'm you know making businesses, um, I'm really kind of following the same path.
0: Yeah, that is cool. Um, I've heard that the pitch process is very much like telling a Hollywood story. It sort of follows a yeah. flow and narrative, and you got to get people, as you described, to buy into your vision. So, in the early goings of Andy, what was the vision for the business? And what was, I guess, the problem in the market that you had identified?
1: The vision originally was very, very simple. Although, you know, it, it is actually we have a very simple business model, right? We we sell swimsuits on the Internet. I try to remember not to complicate that too much as mm-hmm. we grow and scale. I was at Barkbox, and we were going on a work retreat, um, as many of these venture funded brands often do. Um, and we were going to a lake in upstate New York. And as the date was, you know, looming, I went out to look for a swimsuit uh, to bring on the trip. And, you know, I had my Away suitcase that I'd be packing. I had my, like, glossy lip balm. I had, you know, my, my checked shoes, my Levi's jean jacket, just sort of like a bunch of go-to staples. And I was like, well, where should I get my swimsuit from? And I realized there's no go-to for that. Um, it's, you know, you, you go into these department stores um, and there's just like a sea of bikinis or like matronly one pieces. So, so the product side is just such a mess. Um, and there's no just like, sort of Everlane aesthetic of just like classic, timeless, versatile, simple, staple. Um, And the shopping experience itself is really bad. Um, You you don't know where to go if you go in store, whether it's a department store or a little boutique, you have to go into a tiny dressing room, um, get completely undressed under fluorescent lighting. I mean, it's a uniquely bad in-store shopping experience. And I started just sort of chit-chatting about this with my female colleagues before the trip, and everyone was freaking out about where they'd get their swimsuit. Um, and once we were on the trip, many of the women actually didn't even bring a swimsuit because they struggled too much to find one that they felt confident in. You know, by the way, when a woman is wearing a swimsuit, it is the most naked she is, will ever be in public. Um there's lingerie, obviously, but that's typically worn, you know, behind closed doors. And so um, when you're I feel in-
0: like, not to interrupt, but I feel like yeah. this is as... Um, like, it, it's sort of like I draw parallels between what you're saying and... Just men wearing Speedos, like at yeah. least men wearing Speedos. Yeah. If you don't want to wear that style of bathing suit, you don't have to.
1: You nailed it. And I don't know if you're a Speedo type of guy, but like if you're <laughs> not and then you have to wear one on the beach, like you might feel kind of uncomfortable and insecure. Totally. And and so... Um, And so I just, I just didn't understand why there was no sort of like go-to or like a brand that was kind of tackling this problem, both on the shopping experience side and on the product side. Um, And, you know, as you noted in my background, I've really sort of built my career at disruptive consumer internet companies. And so, you know, a light bulb went off and I thought, you know, this is something that everyone around me is complaining about. There has got to be a a gap in the market for this. I mean, there must be an opportunity. And from there, I did do some market research and just look at, you know, what what it is and it's it's a huge market, it's growing quickly. Um, it's it's moving to e-com at you know super fast rates as um, you know previously described the in-store experience is so bad and just a lot of white space in, in that market. So I wanted to start a, just a curated collection of, of one-piece swimsuits that would be easy to shop for, you know, easy to wear, just just simplified swimwear shopping in every way. And I've been noodling on the sort of basic concept for a while. And and so I turned to my wife and I said, you know, I really want to start this. I think I'm going to leave Bark and start this company. And and she was like, please don't do that. Um, She's an investment banker, so she's got a slightly different risk profile. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we ended up agreeing that I would run a crowdfunding campaign for the idea before quitting my day job um, so that we could have some sort of like signals as to whether this could potentially be successful or not beyond just like chatting with friends. Um, and so that's what I did. I ran a crowdfunding campaign for Andy in the fall of 2016. I assume you
0: did this on Kickstarter with your background.
1: I I actually didn't. Um, I didn't, I didn't because, um, you know, Kickstarter takes 5%, uh, which in most cases is, is great, but Female fashion as a category is not one that has any natural discovery on the platform, um, which means that I would be sending 100% of my backers to my project. And if I was going to be doing that and not getting any people from just general you know, discovery on Kickstarter, I didn't want to give up that 5%. And so I did that, and I didn't even have a prototype. It was literally just the way you and I are talking about it right now. Like, hey, this is why swimwear shopping sucks. This is the idea would you be interested? And in two weeks, I raised something like $20,000 just on the idea. And, you know, I do know enough about, you know, success metrics of a crowdfunding campaign from my time at Kickstarter. And so I knew that this was an idea with legs, um, something that could be successful. Um, And so that's when I told told my wife, like, listen, I'm doing this. And she still protested. But in the end, I won and I and I left Bark to start Andy. And obviously, um, I'm glad I did. And so is she, because it's been an incredible journey
0: since then yeah incredible you've seen 500 growth or year-over-year sales growth i should say since inception really fast scaling company that can be at times depending on your cost of acquisition capital intensive so you you raised the first twenty thousand. where did the other funding come from
1: so that's about when I sent, you know, that email to Demi Moore saying I was going to start this, and she came in with some money. And then I just started working my network, um, any sort of angel investors that that I knew. Um, you know, since I sort of built my whole career at, at you know, funded, well-funded startups, I kind of I had a pretty robust network of high-net worth individuals and angel investors. Um, and so I cobbled together about two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars, which is not a lot, but it was enough to launch a sort of, you know, like V1 of Andy. Um, and I put in an order for a small batch of I think like 200 swimsuits and launched andyswim.com uh, to the public in April 2017. And just kind of crossed my fingers and hoped for the best. And, um, we, I mean, you know, 2017 was a story of just, you know, really struggling to to stay in stock um, because we were we were, you know, most of that money went to the sort of start up costs of launching this, um, all the people you have to pay and the thing, you know, things you have to do to get a company off the ground, um, and then and then we were just revenue funding everything from there. And so I I would make like 200 swimsuits, put them up on the website, they would sell out before I even got the swimsuits. Back. You know, we were fulfilling out of my apartment. Um, so before the swimsuits even arrived from the factory to my apartment, they'd be sold out and then it would just be a mad dash to to ship them out to customers and put in another order um, at the factory. Um, and, and that's really what 2017 was. And it was a few months into this that I first met Jesse, actually.
0: So a couple of questions for you. First, your manufacturing. Are these swimsuits yep. fully produced in the U.S.?
1: Not anymore. They were um, in, the, in 2017, but now we've reached a scale that uh, just doesn't make sense to produce them here.
0: Okay. So I assume you're producing overseas.
1: We are. Yeah. Uh, the, the manufacturing, so the sort of kicker with Andy that really um, you know, took us to the next level and has enabled us to scale so dramatically is, is actually a manufacturing deal that we have, um, which, with, with, which Jesse was actually um, you know, deep, sort of involved in, in putting together with me.
0: There's a stigma that you know. Well, if you manufacture overseas, the product quality goes down, and in actuality, that, that seems to not be the case. It seems to be the reverse. What's been your experience?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, the United States is known for many things, but I don't think it's really known for being a swimwear manufacturing powerhouse. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, um, they're, they're all, all the high-end swim brands and the, sort of the best, most respected swim brands, um, they make their products overseas at factories that that really do specialize in in swimwear and. That's just not, you know, that's just not one of the core capabilities of U.S. manufacturing. And so you can get, you know, better, you can get much better quality by going outside of the U.S. for for that type of thing.
0: So how did you guys find your partner?
1: So let I me. Mean, I'm. I'm going to try to tell this in the most straightforward way possible because it's quite an interesting story with a lot of twists and turns. But the the, the basis of it is. Um, so I met Jesse in summer of 2017, and I was telling him about my business. We were actually at a wedding. One of his investors uh, of Hubble was getting married to one of my best friends, um, and we happened to end up at the same Airbnb in sort of Piedmont region of, of Italy. So over a weekend of wine tasting and you know wedding festivities we were talking d to c the whole time we would basically sequester ourselves in the corner of a wine cellar to talk about like the latest trends and you know ad spend on pinterest um and as we were chatting he was like you know he he saw that the, the sort of front of house of my business um was going really well our customer acquisition costs were low our word of mouth was high um that we were struggling to you know keep in stock um, and the whole, the, the, branding had clearly, you know, was clearly resonating with our target demographic of like, you know, millennial women. Um, and, and that it was the sort of ma- the back of house supply chain, you know, production manufacturing that we were struggling with. And he went back to the United States and spoke with one of his, one of the lead investors in Hubble, who's, you know, a, a New York guy, um, who's got deep roots in New York, uh, particularly in the garment district. And he chatted about Andy with this guy and the guy was like, Hey, uh, that sounds like a great brand. I happen to know um, I'm very good friends with the the owner of one of the world's largest swimwear manufacturers. Do you think your friend Melanie would be interested in connecting with this guy? And long story short, I, I met with this guy, and um, over the course of you know many meetings and several months, we ended up striking uh, what was truly a transformative partnership for Andy, where uh, we, we struck a deal where basically, I mean, the the high level way of summarizing it is is kind of like uh, this, w- the world's largest swimwear manufacturer is essentially my co-founder now. Um, and they took on all the the sort of supply chain logistics. So the, the, the uh, sourcing the fabric, producing the swimwear, the freight forwarding from overseas to the United States, and also they own and operate 3PLs around the country. Um, so they can, you know, take the suits from their factories overseas, get them right into their 3PLs around the United States and distribute them to my customers. Um, and so that deal, you know, really- Really sort of changed the game for Andy and um, and then on the back of that deal, uh, once we struck that deal, this lead investor who would kind of put us together, uh, the lead investor of Hubble who had put Andy and the, and the swimwear manufacturer together said, hey, this is going to be a great business. I'm going to invest. And so we ended up raising um, like two and a half million bucks right after inking the deal with the manufacturer. Um, and that, And then from there, that's when Andy like truly, truly took off.
0: That is cool. Were you concerned about lead times now moving manufacturing overseas?
1: Yeah, and it's been a huge struggle. We had to completely rethink how we do the business um, because when we were manufacturing in downtown L.A., we could sell the suits when they were still you know, on the cutting room floor because right. it would just be a very short period of time. Um, and, and not only the lead time of making overseas, but slotting into these factories that specialize in swimwear. I mean, a lot of swimwear brands have their... You know, production calendar years in advance, and so um, it's definitely been a struggle to get our suits made in a shorter time frame. Um, but you know, we we've learned to we you know we're it's we're speaking right now at spring 2019. We're uh, deep in production right now for spring 2020, um, and our our you know fall 2019 order is I mean that's already on the cutting room floor getting made. Um, so we're we're we we now work one full calendar year in advance and we need to we need to even make that longer um so that that's that's a big challenge
0: and the feedback related to the product is great i mean people say yeah. this is a high quality suit at a at a reasonable price point it's made with durable uh, let me know if i get this wrong by the way durable mm-hmm. chlorine resistant quick drying nylon and spandex yep um, very good and as you've said before what you've really nailed is a truly versatile swimsuit. Every suit, I think, is less than $100. Is that about right?
1: That the less than $100 used to be true. Um, everything was $95. Uh, but we've learned a lot about our customers since we first launched. And a lot of our customers are coming from the more premium brands that are, you know, like Ares and Descardinias and, and high-end swim brands like that, that typically cost $400 or more. And they wow. love Andy because the value is incredible. But there's a little more spending room there. Um, for more premium fabrics and so we recently launched a like micro rib that's really soft and also holds you in that women love and that fabrication of our suits is 115 dollars and we'll be launching a few more sort of higher end fabrics of the same styles that women love um uh, because there's just more spending room there. So we can, we can offer something a bit more premium and um, have those prices. They'll always be, I think, between like 90 and like 150.
0: And you've since added two pieces, right? To the mix?
1: Yep. We have, uh, we've added two pieces because, you know, we're still, we're still primarily a one piece brand and that's how people know of us and that's our specialty. But um, women who love andy one pieces uh or or, well women in general often have both in their swim drawers they'll have some one pieces and some two pieces and women who love andy we thought you know we can make a really good two-piece why don't we make a few i think we have three styles i mean it's very basic um so that women who who know and love andy can come back and also get their two-piece from us
0: by the way where does the name andy
1: come from um it so when we were thinking of a name, we wanted, since we started with one pieces, we wanted a name that was one word, um, because one word, one piece. Um, and then also because swimwear shopping is such a vulnerable experience for women, given everything I said about, you know, how, how naked you feel and mm-hmm. how hard it is. to try on, we wanted a name that felt like a friend, um, that you could like lean on and talk to and trust. Um, we didn't want to build a brand that would feel like some Anonymous, you know, giant anonymous corporation, um, you know, like swimsuits.com or whatever. Um, we wanted something that felt like a, a friend um, and, and also not too feminine. Um, and Andy kind of struck a balance there.
0: Who are the biggest swimwear brands currently in the world?
1: Yeah. Um, on the performance side, there's brands like Speedo, which is, you know, a billion dollar company, but that's mm-hmm. obviously a, a bit different than what we're doing. Um, Victoria's Secret um, had a fairly large swim um, division. They exited swim in 2000, uh, late 2016 or early 2017, right about when I was launching Andy. They, they exited swim category. I mean, I think in general, Victoria's Secret and L brands more, more generally has been going through a lot of sort of waves. Um, and, uh, and they're, they are, they re entered swim, uh, this year in 2019. Um, but I, it, I don't think it was the sort of success that they hoped it to be. Um, but, but, but it is a bigger company. So, so L brands, um, Speedo, those are some of the like big, bigger sort of incumbents in the space.
0: I wonder if the lack of success has anything to do with this fact that, the majority of swimwear brands out there are actually run and owned by men.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think go ahead. we're definitely, yeah, we're, I think we're seeing the wind sort of shift and it's, I mean, it's certainly most notable in the lingerie category. Um, there are so many direct to consumer lingerie startups um, founded by women um, that are really kind of eating into Victoria's secret. Um, and, and so, so that, that's where you see it most profoundly, but it's starting to, to shift into swim as well.
0: I want to ask you about the Mykonos swimsuit style. Yeah. So that particular (laughs) skew, right? Um, Yeah. This particular swimsuit has sold out 10 times in 2018 alone. Uh, InStyle just released a post, I think a couple of days ago that said, you now have this style back in stock. What's the story behind this piece and, and why do women love
1: it so much? Yeah, uh, they they wrote that piece. And by that evening, it's out of stock again. Um, (laughs) And so my um, my customer support team is uh, I mean, they're troopers, but they have to deal with a lot of angry ladies who can't get their hands on a Mykonos. Um, It's just it's like we accidentally made this style that women just love um, and and. We made a few of them, you know. when we introduce a new style, we usually won't make that many to test demand. Given our manufacturing relationship, we don't have any MOQs, uh, uh, minimum order quantities, so we can, we can do tests, and so we like to be nimble and, and do those tests, and so we made a few, and they were gobbled up so quickly, and so then we made more, but because our test, our test was actually not even big enough to know demand, and so we decided, when we were putting in a bigger order, we always rank our styles. What is our best seller, second best seller, third best? And we kind of order on a curve given, uh, you know, how many, well, how much revenue we want to make and then how many swimsuits that means we need to sell. And then, okay, you back into the sort of, you rank the styles. So that's what we order. And we kind of made a guess. I think that it would be like our fourth or fifth best seller if we had, you know, full quantities of it. And so we ordered given that, you know, wherever that, whatever that number spits out. Um, Clearly it's actually our number one best seller uh, because we it sold out so fast. Um, the minute we had it back, I started, I started getting worried about it. Um, was a couple months before the style was going to land at our warehouse and be ready to sell. We, um, opened up a wait list option on, on our site where people could sign up to know when the Mykonos would arrive. And we ended up with over 10,000 women on that wait list and we're—I mean—we're a fast-scaling company, but like realistically, we're not that big yet in the sort of realm of brands that exist in the world. And so to have ten over ten thousand women on a wait list was truly shocking. And uh, and then the Mykonos arrived, and they just went so fast. Um, if when they 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 were coming in spurts from we were flying them in in order to get them as soon as possible rather than waiting for them all to be made and putting them on a boat and so we would fly them in and we get a small batch and the waitlist uh, feature would deploy saying you're back in stock and basically if women didn't act within a few hours of receiving a back in stock notification it would be gone again um yeah, i had a board meeting last week and one of my board members was like it's like hungry hippos He's like the minute you drop it boom someone's taking you know what's landed
0: maybe you can get to me more to Photograph herself in other skews so that you can spread the demand across.
1: (laughs) We really should. I was so surprised by how well that style, I mean, I'm not, honestly, I'm I'm not a fashion person. And so I don't really know when we've designed something, if it's going to work or not. Um, I'm, I'm a marketing person and like, I, I build the narrative of the brand, the story, the sort of customer acquisition side of it. Um, and I think, you know, given a good product, obviously that makes the marketing engine that much easier to run. But um, but boy, yeah. So I, you know, I think, I think the the sort of downside to having a sort of very like fashion minded founder of a fashion brand is that sometimes they can ignore customer feedback and um, sort of what customers want, because they have an idea of what they want to design that can be detrimental to uh, or, or like at odds, sometimes against what the people actually want. Um, but then the flip side, sort of my point of view, we, we we design everything using a lot of customer feedback and data of what customers are asking for. But but the sort of downside there is that I, I don't always see what is going to be a trend um, because I don't sort of live in that world. Um, and so then we get things like the Meganos where we can't keep it in stock and then I get yelled at by all of our investors.
0: Uh, good problem to have, though. I'm sure I yeah. prefer that than the alternative. So your strength on the customer acquisition side, what acquisition channels have worked for you guys and how do you determine sort of the right marketing channel mix?
1: Yeah, so we, I mean, we started, you know, simple with just Facebook and Instagram. And I have to say, you know, obviously that Facebook gets a lot of slack these days, but I'm, I'm still, you know, pretty, pretty bullish on Facebook. Um, I, I believe that at scale, it is the best channel. Um, and at this point we're using the sort of full suite of, of tools available um, in sort of digital marketing. So, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, AdRoll, you know, Google search, um, you know, just native display, like you name it, we're probably running ads on it. Um, but we try, we constantly try, you know, every brand that's growing wants to diversify their channel mix so that you're not overly dependent on a single channel for customer acquisition because. If that channel happens to crap out one day, or if the winds shift, you don't want to be in a place where you've over-indexed in a single channel. So Facebook is obviously by you know it's by and large our, our largest channel, um, but we're constantly trying to ramp up spend on other channels, whether that's Pinterest or um, you know uh, other channels. Um, and once we get anywhere near our Facebook spend, it just breaks. The CPA breaks, and it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't work anymore. And I have yet to find a channel that will allow us to spend at the levels that we spend on Facebook while maintaining healthy CPAs. Um, so, so very bullish on Facebook and Instagram. We'll continue investing there because it works. Um, but you know, I, I have I've I've built out an in-house performance marketing team because I'm not an agency person. I don't like agencies. I don't rely on them. Um, and so in-house work we're constantly testing to see what, what we can do, um, to, to continue to, to diversify.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, this is a phenomenon for most direct to consumer e-commerce players most of them are over indexed on Facebook. I think that's just common knowledge. Uh, everyone's trying to diversify their portfolio. Um, that makes total sense. So earlier on in the episode, you, you described how crappy the shopping experience for swimsuits was and Actually, I'll let you describe it. So so what is the shopping experience on Andy?
1: Yeah. So we invest a lot in the customer journey because that, you know, the, the sort of two core tenants of Andy are better product and a better experience. So it's not one more than the other. They're very equal in terms of our, our level of investment. And so on the experience side, you know, from a base level, obviously we offer free shipping and free returns. And we're finding that many of our customers will uh, will truly stock up. I've tried a couple different styles and colors and sizes um, because we make it extremely easy to just return whatever you don't want, and you can try them on in the comfort of your own home. Have a glass of wine, talk to your husband, partner, lover, whatever. Ask you know what they think, um, and then send back anything you don't want. So, so base level free shipping, free returns, generous return policy, 30 days, unlimited exchanges if you find you don't like it. So that's the sort of base level. Beyond that, um, we uh, the first team that I invested in uh, growing the most was our customer support team um, so that we would have women available 24-7. We have women staffed in the U.S. and um, overseas so that we can actually truly have 24-7 uh, support if a woman writes in and says like, you know, is this how this is supposed to look or whatever? We get so many photos, by the way, of women asking. You know, is this where this strap is supposed to fall, and things like that. And so, um, I think we really truly have become a sort of trusted resource on fit. Um, and then, and then beyond those things, we're also investing in in sort of customer experience logistics. Um, for example, this just this week, uh, we have launched same day delivery in New York City, and if that's successful, we'll roll it out throughout the U.S. Um, one of the reasons we did that is that swimwear shopping is a little more like a pain pill. Um, women don't often just like window shop for swimsuits. Uh, you, women buy a swimsuit when they have a need, there's a vacation or something coming up. Um, and so sometimes that ends up being you know at the, at the bottom of your to-do list and you realize at the last minute you still need a swimsuit. So we're launching same day delivery to accommodate those women who've been too busy to uh, handle that previously. We're also launching a concierge returns test in Boston um, where women can request an at-home pickup of their items so they don't even need to drop it in a mailbox they can just leave it there, and someone will come by and pick it up. And if that's successful, we'll roll it out. We just launched a firm on our website, which is a sort of consumer lending business. Uh, so women can pay for their suits in monthly installments. If a hundred dollars is a bit of a stretch, but they really want an Andy, they can pay, you know, in thirty thirty dollar increments. Um, and and we're continuing to look for partners that can help us. Um, to help us give customers just a better experience you know end to end
0: all this in addition to the fit finder quiz right yeah
1: and yeah of course and then we use digital tools on our site like the fit finder quiz which is powered by ai so it's smart and it's only getting smarter uh, where women enter you know we ask a few questions height weight you know what what types of what, what parts of their body they like to accentuate um, a whole, whole bunch of questions so that we can recommend the best possible style for them.
0: In your space, there's a brand called triangle. That's a digital native swimsuit brand. I think out of Australia, I'm not totally sure if that's mm-hmm. right. Um, they got pretty popular after Kendall Jenner posted something on her Instagram page. Yeah. I think. Um, are, yeah. are they a big competitor of yours?
1: Um, I never, I don't think I've thought about the word or the company triangle in over a year. Um, So I guess that would mean no. I mean, maybe yes, in terms of numbers, maybe they're taking, you know, share or customers that would otherwise be shopping for Andy. But I think that the triangle aesthetically is quite different. Um, They're much sort of skimpier bikinis and they look great quality and great all around. Um, And uh, certainly a lot of respect for what they're doing, but I think it's probably a different customer um and uh and honestly i i have not thought of them like at all
0: (laughs) um they seem to rely heavily on these uh young celebrity influencers um Hmm. are you guys we talked about uh acquisition channels are you using influencers at all to drive awareness
1: we are um we we do influencers is definitely a core part of our channel sort of quote-unquote channel mix We did a bunch of tests with influencers in 2018 um, to figure out we kind of put influencers in three buckets. You're either a celebrity um, or you're a sort of lifestyle influencer or you're um, like a like a TV personality or whatever. These are the buckets we've defined. And we found that the sort of like intellectual funny um, influencers were the ones that resonated the most that drove the most sales. So those are now Mm -hmm. the ones that we go after.
0: How do you find these people?
1: Uh, we have an. Well, I just said we don't like agencies, but we have <laughs> one. We have one agency we work with, but it's not really an agency. It's two women. It's their own shop. There's nobody else there. Um, and I started working with them before I ever even launched Andy uh, to do PR. And they have grown with us as we've grown. And they, they truly feel like part of my team. Um. And, and they handle all the influencer stuff. So they'll make the recommendations. They'll negotiate with the agents. Um, I just sort of sign off and say yes or no, or who's that.
0: Got it. So what's next for you guys? I'm assuming the expansion into Australia is an exciting priority. Uh, What else is on the radar?
1: Um, Yeah. Well, a big thing that was happening for us uh, was launching extended sizing. Um, When we launched, we were extra small to extra large. And we heard from, you know, just countless women that, They wanted to buy Andy swimsuits, but we didn't have their size. So just a couple days ago, we launched um, all the way up to triple XL across all of our styles. Um, And we also launched long torso versions. Um, And so just leaning into being more inclusive in our styles and our offerings and as a brand. um, So that was a really, really exciting. thing for us that has been a big initiative. Um, and then, and now, I mean, now we're speaking early May and we're going right into the sort of peak season. So we're, um, you know, really focused on having as big a season as we can. Um, in a few weeks, we're launching our first ever out of home campaign, um, back to the sort of marketing mix, but we're, we're doing subways and bus stops and billboards and, um, posters and information kiosks. Um, Across New York City and Chicago, um, and so I'm really excited to see our brand out out there in the world. Um, and I think uh, we're growing up, and it's sort of the next step for us. So I'm really excited for that.
0: How are you enjoying your experience as a as a founder? Are Are you loving it as much as it sort of seems on the surface? Uh,
1: yeah, I love it. I mean, every day my job is different, um, and it's also evolving. And I used to do everything, and um, as of about a month ago, um, with the latest hire, I now fully don't own anything anymore. Um, and so it's it's a it's my my job. Just in the last few weeks, has has truly morphed from you know having a specific thing that I have to get in and do every day to coming in and managing a team and, and just spending my time thinking about what's next. Um, and so I'm I'm thankful for, you know, the evolution of a, of a job like this and certainly keeps it interesting.
0: Do you feel like your ultimate objective is to sell to one of these big brands? I don't know, Speedo or otherwise?
1: Probably eventually. Yes. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I took venture capital dollars and the minute you take venture, you're kind of signing up to give these people a big exit. And so on the one hand I could say, you know, no, I want to build this forever and, and it's my heart and soul, but you know, uh, my eyes are open and, and, I am, and so we're, yes, the short answer would be that that that's going to be the goal.
0: You said that when it comes to e-commerce, it's better to go deep in a particular niche than go broad, right? Yes. Um, why do you say that?
1: I mean, you know, broad to me would be like Amazon.com taking the opposite approach of going deep and narrow is your best chance to succeed in an Amazon world um, and appeal to customers who care about a brand more than a product. And yes, we sell swimsuits, but. You know, we don't sell on Amazon because we're more than a swimsuit. Um, we're, we're selling a lifestyle. We're aspirational. We're a whole journey, you know, a whole story. Um, and so so we don't sell on Amazon and we do one thing and we do it really well. And women who appreciate, you know, a good quality swimsuit with a great you know shopping experience to boot. That's what, they, that's what they're going to get at Andy.
0: In the last few minutes, where do you want to point listeners to for more about Andy?
1: AndySwim.com and you'll find everything there.
0: That's A-N-D-I. I E swim.com. Exactly. Congratulations on all your success so far and uh, wishing you. you the best as you grow this thing.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the show. And it's been so nice to chat with you. E2 is brought to listeners in part by Scrubberbase. Visit Scrubberbase.com for more info. Indochino made to measure suits and shirts at a great price. More at Indochino.com. And WeWork, where businesses thrive. More at WeWork.com. If you like E2, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume your audio. Leave us a review. Even become an exclusive supporter of the show. Visit glow.fm slash E2 to do so. Until next time, make today count with whatever it is you're working on. An Electric Cast production. See you there. Electric,
0: Est. Electric Est. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, we got this chair. No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels, I with the